0: Hey, welcome, everybody. Welcome River Glen. So good to uh, see you. Hey, did you get out and enjoy the beautiful weather today? So awesome, wasn't it? Great uh, weather that uh, God gave to us. So thank God uh, for that. Uh, So uh, welcome uh, to you, whether you're here in the room in uh, Waukesha, maybe you're at home or wherever watching online, or maybe you're over in, in Pewaukee, thank you so much for uh, joining us for week number four of this series called The New You. We're going through uh, Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. And, and today uh, we come to Romans chapter 8, which some people think, some people believe this is the best chapter in the entire Bible. Many theologians refer to this as the Mount Everest of the Bible, the best of the best And I would agree, if I was stranded on an island and you said you can have one chapter of the Bible to read again and again, I would choose Romans chapter 8. If you're not familiar with it, a guy named Paul wrote it. He wrote it to a group of believers in the city of Rome. We call that letter the book of Romans. And this is Paul at his best. He's had his uh, dark roast coffee. He's awake. He's alert. He's ready to go. He's already had his pre-workout in. So here's my question for you. Have you ever read Romans uh, chapter 8? and uh, if not why not go home and read Romans chapter 8 not just read it reflect on it and allow god to speak into your life and if you're the kind of person who already reads the bible regularly how about memorizing memorizing Romans chapter 8 that would be a great use of your time this one chapter will help you deal with suffering it will lead you to salvation in jesus it'll give you confidence of eternal life now today we're going to look at one verse, one verse, one single verse and one of my favorite verses. This is a go-to verse for me. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Think about it this way, if Romans chapter 8 is Mount Everest, verse 1 is the peak, the peak of Mount Everest. One of the greatest verses in the entire uh, Bible and uh, I'm just I'm just honored that I get a chance to talk about it with you uh, tonight. I heard a pastor uh, from Minnesota named Jason Strand give a teaching on this chapter and this verse that inspired me and became the basis for what I wanna share with you today. So we're gonna look at just one verse, but I believe this one verse can set you free from your daily burdens. I wanna begin with a question, get us thinking in the same direction. Have you ever embarrassed yourself? Have you ever gotten embarrassed in in front of a group of of friends. Many years ago, Marnie and I, we invited our staff and their families over to our house for a backyard cookout. It was early in the summer. Beautiful evening. We had a bunch of games in the backyard, had the grill out, and uh, we were going to throw some meat on the grill. Everybody brought some food to share. I had responsibility for grilling. Now, normally, before the summer, I'll, I'll clean my grill, but I didn't get around to it this year, and I thought, no big deal. You know, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, I've used our grill hundreds of times, and so I'm grilling these burgers, and the grill flames up. But it's not your normal flame up, no, no, no. The, the, grease, the grease tray underneath was actually full, and it caught on fire, and my, my entire grill erupted in flames like I have never seen be, before. It, it became like a torch, this huge torch. And, and uh, everybody's looking at me, all the guests are looking at me, but there's no way I'm getting this under control. And it got so hot, it actually scorched part of our driveway. I mean, I got scared because there's a propane tank on the grill. I almost, I almost had to call the, the fire department, but fortunately, it eventually burned itself out, it cooled down, and I was able to cook the burgers. But if that's not embarrassing enough, uh, while we're waiting for the grill to cool down, one of the guys says to me, hey Ben, did you know that you have a wasp nest? in your backyard yeah it looks like this and it was on a tree i look up and i can't believe this i'm like how did i miss this it's like the size of a basketball hanging over our our party kids running and playing underneath it and now our guests are thinking you know why did we come to the davis's house i mean the grill almost exploded and now an army of wasps are getting ready to attack what are we doing here? I mean, it was a bad start to the party. and It was my fault. I felt embarrassed. My face turned red. But uh, fortunately, nobody got mad and left, and nobody got stung. Everyone was gracious, and uh, we laughed and enjoyed the rest of the evening, and we still laugh about it. One of the guys keeps asking me, when are, you know, have you cleaned your grill uh, this year? All of us have had embarrassing moments, right, that we can laugh about and kid each other. About, but sometimes in our lives, embarrassment isn't very funny because it doesn't go away. Probably all of us, if we're honest, have something in our life, something from our past that causes us to feel embarrassment, even a sense of shame. And it's not a laughing matter, something that you did or someone else did to you. And what is that for you? Could be a divorce, could be your parents and your childhood situation, growing up, maybe it's your financial situation right now. Maybe it's a a secret, maybe it's a, a hidden sin that you have kept from other people. Let me ask, is there something in your life today that you feel ashamed of and embarrassed about and you wish that you could get rid of that feeling? Now, you could compare yourself to other people. You could say, I know I've got some issues in my life, but that person over there, they're a mess and it might make you feel a little bit better, but you're gonna wake up the next day and you're gonna feel that same sense of shame. It would make no difference. Which brings us to Romans chapter 8, verse one. This powerful verse will help you define yourself, not by your past, but by who you are in Christ Jesus. And I believe if you apply this verse to your life today, it can set you free, completely free from shame and embarrassment that, that you carry. But before we look at Romans uh, chapter eight, I wanna look at the context. I want you to see the end of Romans chapter seven. Now, if you were with us last week, we, we read these verses, but take a look at what Paul writes. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I wanna do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, look at this, I do the very thing that I hate. Isn't that interesting? Paul wrote more books in the Bible than anybody else, and he says you know what? There are times when I do things that I just don't want to do, which gives me reassurance to know that one of the godliest men who ever lived from time to time would do th- things that he wished he didn't do. But here's my question for you What happens when you start to do things that you hate? You start to hate yourself. You wake up in the morning hungover after a night of doing the very thing that you hate and you look in the mirror through bloodshot eyes and you say, I hate you, I hate you. Or you lose your temper and say things that you never wanted to say or you overeat. You do the very thing that you hate and that's when the self-talk begins and you say, I'm such a failure. God, I'm so sorry that I'm such a disappointment to you. I'm stupid, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm worthless. I can't do anything right. That's how you, that's what we think. And when you think that way, how do you feel inside? I can think of one word to describe uh, that feeling and it's the word shame. Here's a definition for for, for shame. Shame is the deep sense that you are unacceptable because of something that you did or was done to you. Now that's different than guilt. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am wrong. There's a big difference between guilt and shame. Sometimes guilt is healthy. Sometimes we should feel guilty because we've sinned against God. Guilt, in its healthy form, causes you to push away sin and draw near to God. Uh, Shame does the opposite. Shame causes you to push away from God and say, I blew it, and there's no hope for me. Maybe the best word to describe this is condemnation. Condemnation is separation from God, punishment from God, and we're gonna talk about that more in a moment, but condemnation can also happen after you confess your sins to God. Even though you confess and ask God to forgive you, you still feel a sense of shame. Notice I said after you ask God to forgive you. That's important. Conviction is when you feel a sense of guilt over unconfessed sin. That's holy and healthy. Condemnation is when you feel a sense of shame over confessed sins. Even though you've confessed and asked Jesus to forgive you, you don't feel forgiven. And that's a lie. And that brings us to Romans chapter 8, verse one. I want you to feel the power of these words. Would you open your, your heart and your mind to this verse? Paul writes, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, you're not defined by what you did wrong. You're defined by what Jesus did right, which is different than any other religion. I mean, every world religion says, hey, if you want to get God's approval, you got to do something. You need to go on a pilgrimage. You need to observe holy days. You need to do some religious rituals. Christianity says, no, it's been done. Jesus went to the cross and he paid the full penalty for your sins. He said, it is Finished so that we do not have to live in shame or embarrassment or condemnation any longer. That's why I said, You're not defined by what you did wrong, you're defined by what Jesus did right. And if you would believe this verse today, you could walk out of here free free from condemnation, free from embarrassment, free from shame, free from your past. And so, I want to show you three truths about God's forgiveness from this one verse. Here's the first truth. God's forgiveness is immediate. Look at this verse again. Notice he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, I've wondered, why does Paul, why does Paul include that word Now? I mean, why did he feel the need to include that? Why didn't he just say, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? It seems to flow better. It even seems like a better use of grammar. Well, it's because he wants to emphasize something. He wants us to know that something happens right now. God's forgiveness is immediate. One of my favorite stories in the Bible happened during the crucifixion of Jesus. I've always loved the story where Jesus, when he's nailed to the cross, they nailed two thieves beside him. The conversation that takes place has always just blown my mind. One of the thieves looks at Jesus and says, I'm a criminal, Jesus. I'm not worthy. I'm getting what I deserve. He's stuck in a cycle of condemnation. And he says to Jesus, I know where I'm going and it's not the same place that you're going. Would you, would you please just remember me when you get there? And Jesus looks at this thief right in the eye and he says, you're gonna be with me today in paradise. You're going with me right now. Isn't that amazing? But think about all the religious people who would have a problem with that today. They would say, well, there's no, you know, there was no confession of faith, you know, there was no baptism, there was no evidence of of life change. How do we know if that thief, if, if he was taking Jesus seriously, or he was just, you know, saying that. He was probably in a lot of pain, and he was probably delirious. And I'm not dismissing any of those things as unimportant, but Jesus forgives him immediately. Here's what I want you to hear today. Therefore, there is now No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your forgiveness is now. Your freedom is now. Your new life can begin now. God wants to do something in your life and he wants to do it right now. Don't carry the weight of your sin and shame any longer. Acknowledge your sin. Put your faith in Jesus and know that he forgives you immediately. Here's the second truth about God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness is complete. Look at this verse again. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, What? He says, No condemnation. Not even a little bit. None. Zero. Zilch. No condemnation. No condemnation means God's forgiveness is complete. But here's what some of us do we put our faith in Jesus. And uh, we begin to feel God's forgiveness for our sins. We begin to feel the weight you know, removed from our, our shoulders, the weight taken off of our, of our uh, back. But then what happens is we get to that last sin and we go, oh, that one's really bad. That one's really awful. And there's just no way that God could ever forgive me for that one. And we think, you know what? That's just gonna have to go back into the, into the backpack and I'm gonna to have to just carry that one for the rest of my life because there's just no way that God could ever forgive me for that. And that's what some of us do. You know, we have one sin, one thing, maybe from years ago and we just think that's just too awful for God to forgive. Could be the affair, could be the abortion, could be the divorce. Could be the time that you hit someone, could be the time that you blacked out. Maybe it was something so bad that I can't even say it in church. That's how bad it was. And you think to yourself, you know what, I'm just gonna have to feel the weight of that. I'm gonna have to carry that one with me for the rest of my life. But I want you to hear something today. Jesus Christ did not die on a cross. He did not endure pain and and public shame and humiliation and have the flesh torn from his body. He wasn't beaten and whipped so that you could carry that one sin for the rest of your life. His forgiveness is complete. In fact, our greatest sin is like a drop, like a drip in the ocean of God's grace. God is greater, so much greater than your biggest sin And my biggest sin. And so here's what some of us need to do. You need to take that backpack off and you need to open it up and you need to trust God with that last sin and you need to declare there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now does that mean that we can just sin and, and and just do whatever we want and then just say to God, hey, forgive me for that. Because that's how some people live. Some people just live during the week, you know, any way they want. They don't really think about God. Uh, they, don't, they don't really put effort into obeying God. And then they come to church and they go, oh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Throw up a couple prayers, whatever it might be. Sorry about that, God. But if that's your posture toward God, it raises a question, do you really love God? God. Do you really love God? You might love the concept of God. You might love the concept of heaven and the afterlife. You might love this church, but do you love God? And do you really understand God's love for you? For example, if I thought to myself, you know what, my wife Marnie is so loyal and super forgiving, I could treat her any way I wanted. I could be rude, I could ignore her, I could just blow money, spend money any way that I want, and I bet she would forgive me. But I would never think that way. It's a ridiculous idea to think that way about someone that you love. My point is, this verse doesn't mean that we take sin lightly. It doesn't mean that we don't make effort to obey God. Here's what it means. It means God's forgiveness is complete. Third truth is that God's forgiveness is conditional. Look at this verse again. Therefore, there is now, so it's immediate, No condemnation, so we know that it's complete. Then he says, who's this for? Is it for everyone? Is it for every human being on the planet Earth? No, that's not what he says. Is it for every person who does their best to try to live a good life? No, that's not what he says. He says, it's for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I wanna ask you a question, are you in Christ Jesus? Do you know if you're in Christ Jesus or not? Truth is, every single one of us deserves condemnation. We deserve separation because we've ignored our creator. We've done things our creator has asked us not to do, and so we deserve punishment, we deserve the penalty. That's why the only way to be saved is through faith in Jesus. I wanna try and illustrate this uh, for you. I've heard this illustrated a few different ways. I hope this illustration will help this to make sense uh, to you. Uh, When I'm wearing these glasses, I mean, everything looks red to me. You know, you guys all look sunburned. You look like you've been spending too much time on the beach in Florida. Have you guys been in Florida? You know, when I looked in the mirror, I thought these kind of make me look like Bono from uh, U2. And then somebody said, no, you look like Elton John. I don't know. I kind of like these glasses. I don't know if I'm gonna keep them or not. I mean, they just make everything look the same color. You say, hey, that guy's got a blue shirt on over there. I'd go, no, it doesn't look blue. It looks red. Everything looks red. And in the same way, when you put your faith in Jesus, God no longer sees your unrighteousness. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. The righteousness of Jesus completely covers you. God doesn't see your sin. He sees the sacrifice of Jesus for your sin. Theologians call this the imputed righteousness of Jesus. It's imputed because it's given to you. You didn't earn it, you don't deserve it, it's just credited to your account so that when God looks at your life, he sees you through the lens of what Jesus Christ has done uh, for you. Here's what this means. It means that if you're a person who belongs to Jesus, if you're in Christ Jesus, the next time you think, I'm not good enough, God, I just don't do enough good for you to be pleased with my life. I'm sorry, I'm such a failure and disappointment to you. You need to quote this verse out loud. And say, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you need to say, that's me. I'm in Jesus. There's no condemnation in my life. And I don't need to carry the weight of my sin and shame. You need to, you need to memorize this verse and use this verse. For those of you who are not in Jesus or you're not sure if you're in Jesus, I need to uh, lovingly, very lovingly tell you that there is Condemnation, there is eternal punishment from from God uh, and separation from God for our sins. That's that's the bad news. The good news is that Jesus has a team, and anyone can join his team. I want to show you a picture of an NFL player that I came across recently. He might look a little bit familiar to some of you. His name is Glenn Gronkowski and uh, he played on the New England Patriots uh, the last time they won the Super Bowl. Now don't confuse him with his older brother Rob Gronkowski. Rob was the star tight end for the New England Patriots. Glenn Gronkowski was a fullback who played on the practice team for the Patriots. Every NFL team gets to have 12 players on the practice team and if you're on the practice team, Uh, You don't get to play in the games, you get to practice with the team, but even though you're on the practice team, you're considered a full member of the team. In fact, when the Patriots won the uh, Super Bowl the last time, Glenn Gronkowski, get this, he received a bonus check of $107,000. Add to that a $76,000 bonus for winning two playoff games, And that's $183,000 in bonuses above and beyond his regular salary. And not only did he receive $183,000 in bonuses, he received one of these. A Super Bowl uh, ring. What did Glenn Gronkowski do to gain all these riches? Well, he never played in the Super Bowl. He never played in either playoff game. He never caught one pass. He never ran the ball one time. He never made one block for one of his teammates. Just for fun, go ahead and raise your hand if you have never played in a Super Bowl. Would you raise your hand? If you're watching online, you can hit the hand raise on the chat. My hand's up. I've never played in a Super Bowl. And if Glenn Gronkowski were here today, he would have his hand up too. And yet he received $183,000 and he won a Super Bowl ring while you and I uh, sat at home and ate uh, chips and guacamole. How did he gain all those riches and benefits? Well, he was on the team. He didn't, he didn't play. He didn't earn them. It was positional. He was on the team. And Jesus has a team. And that might sound exclusive to you, but here's the deal. Anyone can join the team. Your age, it doesn't matter. Your ethnicity, it doesn't matter your church background it doesn't matter how much or how little you've sinned in the past it doesn't matter anyone can join the team and Jesus has won a great victory for the team he defeated sin and death he won the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls and you can have all the riches and benefits that come with that victory but you've got to belong to the team now there's two ways that you can join the team and Be saved. First, way is never screw up. I mean, never miss a weekend at church or morning devotions. Never miss an opportunity to give or serve or encourage someone. Never gossip, never envy, never lust, never act judgmentally toward another person, never sin in your anger. And you always love God fully with your heart, soul, and mind and pray unceasingly. And if you're able to do all those things, then congratulations, you're saved. But the Bible says that's impossible because all have sinned and fall short, which is why God sent Jesus to make a new way for us to be saved. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. While we were unfaithful to him, he stayed faithful to us. I heard a story recently about a mom whose teenage son went into full rebellion he was moody. When she would approach him to, to give him a hug, he would push her away. He, uh, every time she would ask, how was your day at school, he would say, Mom, leave me alone. I don't feel like talking about it right now. And he'd go out on Friday nights with his friends, and his mom really didn't know you know, where he was going or what he was doing. She kind of, she kind of guessed that he was up to no good until one Friday night, her son came home drunk, and he stumbled into his uh, Bedroom and passed out on the bed and his mom heard him come home So she got up and walked down the hallway into his room Two minutes later her husband woke up and realized that she was uh, gone And so he got up and walked over to see What what she was uh, doing and when he walked into their son's bedroom He saw his wife sitting on the edge of their son's bed uh, gently stroking The son's hair and the husband asked what are you doing? And she said well he won't let me love him during the day And so I love him at night. And that's how God is with us. For some of us, maybe for years, you said to God, just just leave me alone. I don't wanna think about you. I don't wanna talk about you. I don't wanna go to church and read the Bible and obey you. I just wanna do what I wanna do. Just leave me alone. And still, God loves you more than anyone, even though we're unfaithful. He stays faithful to us, no matter how many times you pushed him away and said, God, just keep your distance. He pursued you. What if today was a day you said, God, I wanna belong to you. I wanna experience your love and and know your grace. I don't wanna push you away anymore. I want you to come into my life. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I wanna put my faith in him and, and follow him. And if you make that decision, You let us know. We want to celebrate with you and encourage you and share some resources with you and help you take some next steps. If you're watching online, you make that decision. You let us know. There are others of us, maybe for years, maybe for decades, you've walked around with with a backpack on and there's that one sin. And it just weighs you down. You carry shame. Embarrassment and condemnation with you everywhere you go? What if today was a day that you declare that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and you could be set free? And I know God can do that for you because his forgiveness is immediate and complete. He sees you, he sees you through the lens of what Jesus has, has done for you. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to share communion together. Our communion is open to anyone who decides to belong to Jesus. We've got communion available on the tables in the back of the rooms. If you're watching online, you can use your own items and share communion with us. The bread represents the body of Jesus. The juice represents the blood of Jesus. We're going to leave this verse up during communion so that you can read it and reflect on it and apply it to your life. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this great chapter of uh, Romans chapter eight and this powerful verse, the first verse. God, thank you for not just forgiving our, our sin, but removing and cleansing our guilt and shame and embarrassment so that we can live like a new person. I pray that all of us would put our faith in Jesus and experience immediate and complete forgiveness. And for those of us that have already put our faith in Jesus, but we still feel the weight of our sin, our shame, even one sin, would you set us free? Let us know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we would walk away today with a, and, that, and that burden would be gone. We thank you and